Hello and welcome to this week's Pensions in 10. I'm David Brooks, Head of Policy um, at Broadstone, and I'm joined with my colleague Simon Q. Um, and this week we are going to talk about um, the autumn statement. It's looming, so there's some rumours flying around. A pensions charter, looking at the way that the political scene could be set better for pensions. And some breaking news on the Wilco pension scheme. And, another and, a hair-raising finisher. Thank you. Well, Dave, the autumn statement is almost upon us and the rumours are swirling. Do you want to talk us through some of them? Yes. Yeah, it's about um, a month away until Jeremy Hunt will will rise to talk about what he wants to do next. And yeah, I noticed that the weekend in the FT, they were talking about the British Business Bank being used to allow pension schemes to access um, uh, more interesting investments. This whole productive finance angle that's been going on, um, they might have the clout to um, allow for more liquidity, which has been one of the concerns. Um, but this isn't the first time we've talked about the British Business Bank um, in this context. They were mooted right from the beginning as being a good source for this. I think their their name has been slightly clouded by what happened over COVID and everything else. But if they can provide that uh, reassurance for schemes and a way of accessing it easily, then that sounds great. I mean, I think still one of the big questions around what um, Jeremy might say is whether he will in some way mandate this kind of investment. And that has to be um, resisted by the industry at all, all costs, because we definitely can't have that. But if it's right for the scheme, right for their time horizon, then I think we can all agree we're all for it if it's the right thing on a strategic decision. So that's interesting. It's, I've noted it more because although they have been mentioned before, it was mentioned in the FT. So I'm just saying this feels like it's something he he will talk about. Um, in other news, the rumours are also building around the lifetime allowance. So we talked about this last week and how the abolition of that is complex and um, unclear at this time. And the rumours are building that we may have to kick that off until 2025 for the full abolition. So at the moment it's sort of gone because we've got a, um, a softening of the tax charge if you exceed the lifetime allowance and it's all the detail that's harder to sort out. So we could continue with this transitional phase for another year. It does make it more complex if the Labour Party win the next election. So very unclear. Also rumours around the use of um, ISAs. I mean, the ISA space is incredibly complex and we don't really want a new one, but they might be introducing a new ISA for you to hold stocks and shares and cash in the same one. They might increase the allowances. Also discussions around increasing the um, lifetime ISA. Um, the take of that has been relatively low, um, but it has aspects which um, allow people to buy property and then save for their pension at the same time. So it looks good on paper. So maybe they'll try and do something around the penalties to make that a bit more um, attractive. And of course, one of the bigger ones as well is around IHT. So either reducing the tax charge or scrapping it completely. Um, so yeah, still there'll be more rumours between now and then, um, but that's where we are at the moment, I think. The pensions world isn't known for simplicity. Uh, Dave, so do you want to talk us through the pensions charter? Yeah, yeah, simplicity. I don't think we'd be sitting here if the pensions world was a lot more simple, that's for sure. Um, yes, so uh, there was a charter released um, last week um, involving some of the major um, industry bodies and, and some uh, consultancy firms trying to raise the fact that the political um, framework that we're working with in pensions is I think it's chaotic at the moment. I don't think anyone really has a handle on all the problems that we have. Um, adequacy, whether people are saving enough, what that even means. I know various bodies have tried to come out with ways of trying to define this. It's one of the most frequently asked questions you get from members is how much should I be saving? Uh, what is enough? 
and it's such a moving target, you know, because it is an individual answer to that question, and there's no hard and fast rules. I think it's one of the problems with pensions. There are so few, so few rules of thumb. You can say do X and you'll be fine, do Y and you'll be better or whatever. Um, so this chart is great. It does highlight quite a few of the main key areas. Um, but I do think we do need that political consensus. And I would support this charter from that perspective. I think we do need that political parties. If they can, we can be sure, no matter what happens from election to election, that political parties will be doing the same thing, broadly speaking. I think that would help a lot for all of us for planning for the future. So I, so I think that's that's great. But we still live in this complex space and I don't see any quick fixes at the moment. I don't know how you how you see things. It's interesting you say about political consensus. I think generally in pensions there is political consensus. But this it's not consensus on what there should be consensus on, I think is the is the issue. Mm -hmm. There are there are so many suggestions, uh so many voices in the industry saying the same thing, saying contradictory things. We heard recently from the pensions regulator uh, the conference last week, saying that only the good scheme should be around in 10 years. Well, that's contradictory to the regulator saying that they want recovery plans under six years uh, on average. So why shouldn't they get the schemes funded and, and bought out? Um, so there's contradiction there. Um, the regulator said that they're keen to see a DB super fund market emerge. They don't appear overly keen, uh, given that there's only one currently uh, with the super funds, uh, as we've discussed previously, being mothballed. So we have Clara, which hasn't been authorised, it's been assessed. Now, we could say that that's because the DWP hasn't put legislation before the House to, to bring statute in. But the regulator, I think, possibly has been asking for other things to go on statute before DB super funds. Mm. So, yes, it's finding out what the consensus should be on. I've I've said many times before, Dave, we, we need to look at what are the outcomes that we're trying to achieve and then build something that does that rather than just bolting bits on and lopping bits off of current legislation to add further complexity. Mm. What do we actually want to what do we actually want to do as a nation, as an industry? and build something around that. So yes, the charter is a positive thing. It does state the bleeding obvious um, in, in numerous different ways, <laughs> yeah. but that doesn't mean that it's a bad thing. Yeah. But yeah, we just need a bit more clarity on where we're actually trying to get to. Uh, any road will lead you to a destination if you don't know which destination you want. We need to set that destination and then we need to take the road to, to get us there. Yeah, I agree. And uh, since we've sat down to record, we've just spotted that um, Stephen Timms of the Working Pensions Committee has written to TPR about the Wilco case. Simon, can you give us your thoughts on this? Sure. The letter primarily is a piece of politics, uh, if I'm being entirely honest. It's being seen to do something. I think it's asking a lot of questions that are pretty obvious. The regulator will, of course, have a case team looking at Wilco, what's happened? We, we've heard about dividend payments going out to the owners of the company in, in previous years. It is clear from the regulator's response to something that uh, uh, the previous meeting with the Work and Pensions Committee that recovery plan deficit repair contributions had pretty much doubled 
fairly recently. So there had been uh, cash going into the scheme. It's not as if the scheme was being being starved of cash. So whether the regulator will actually have a case to pursue a contribution notice, uh, it won't be a financial support direction. I don't believe there are wider group companies that, that contribute. Uh, so I, I believe it would be a contribution notice rather than a, a financial support direction. But yeah, at, at the moment, we we will just be waiting to see if the regulator has a case. They They will have been aware of financial difficulties and attempts to raise cash and, and capital for, for the business. Uh, they would have actively been been pursuing a case, I'm sure. We will see if the if and when the regulator responds uh, to the Work and Pension Select Committee. They've asked for a, a reply by the 25th of October, I think, yeah, Wednesday, 25th of October. He says just checking the letter. Yeah. Uh, as you say, this is breaking news, so we're we're yeah. uh, talking about this as it as it's come out. So not a lot to say at the moment, other than a bit of political grandstanding from the Work and Pension Select Committee. Understandable though it is, they've got to be seen to be doing it. Um, but we won't know for months, if not years, if the regulator has a case uh, for a contribution notice against Wilco. Uh, that said, with political pressure and with the focus of the press, it will be a priority for the regulator. So it may happen a little quicker than we would normally see a contribution notice be issued. And to close out this week's um, session, Simon, you're going to talk about haircuts, and I will try not to be offended. <laughs> In a roundabout way, I am. Worrying research, it says, has found that hairdressing trumps pensions uh, on people's to-do lists. So Brits, generally speaking, uh, their pension is at the bottom of their to-do list uh, for life admin, and haircuts come above that. And on average, because um, you know I like to do a bit of research, on average, a man gets his hair cut six times a year, so every eight to nine weeks. A woman gets her hair cut four times a year, so every 13 weeks. Unfortunately, by not prioritising their pension, that's getting a haircut too. Well, Dave, on that awful attempt at a pun, we shall say goodbye to our viewer, wherever they are. Thanks so much for watching and thanks for all of the feedback and comments. They're really welcome. Uh, we do like hearing from you. So keep it up. See you next week. Bye.